Welcome to the November 17th edition of the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten. So last week, I know I mentioned that I'd be doing a bit of a rookies and, and trades podcast this week, but I may have jumped the gun and got my dates confused. So this week, I'm going to be dropping a couple of podcasts. This one, obviously, and then one in a few days once the draft's done and a couple more trades have been protest. But I'll tell you what, it is bloody exciting. ESPN and Yahoo, they've both opened up their leagues, so jump on board. You can do a couple of mocks in there as well, which is really cool. Don't know if they've got their rankings completely done. Obviously, that'll change a couple of times as we make our way closer to the opening night, but still really, really cool to do. CP3, he's obviously going to the Suns. Drew Holiday going to Milwaukee in a couple of player deal. Harden. He may or may not be going to ruin the Nets, but you know it's all heating up. So it's a, it's a fantastic time of the year. It feels a little bit like Christmas Day. So let's all get stuck into it. As I mentioned, I'm going to do a podcast on the, on the draft in a couple of days and all that sort of stuff. But I wanted to do one on fantasy basketball itself. A few people have hit me up for a bit of a fantasy basketball 101 or fantasy beginner's guide. So I thought I'd do that in addition to the or in conjunction with the the NBA Fantasy Draft Guide that I'm going to release in a couple of weeks. So it may not be the podcast you uh, are needing uh, at kind of your stage of your, your fantasy career, but if you've got a couple of mates who are thinking whether or not it is or isn't for them, whether you can't really be bothered explaining it to them, or whether you're just trying to get a mate over the line so you can fleece him for all of his money, send him this podcast Tell them to follow the the podcast on either Spotify or on Apple, and let's try and get more players involved. So what is fantasy basketball? Fantasy basketball, like other fantasy sports, is based on the statistical performance of your players. So in basketball, you can play in a points league where you gain points based on stats, or probably more commonly, you can play in category leagues. The most popular one in the category format is a is a head-to-head league. In these, your teams compete against other teams over the course of a week to win specific categories. These stats accumulate over that week or the matchup period. And once that's over, the team who has the most category win. So when you're playing categories, you can generally pick from anything you want. However, the most common ones are eight category leagues, which is field goal, free throw, sorry, Field goal percentage, free throw percentage, three-pointers made, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and points actually scored, or nine categories, which is the same as those ones, plus some sort of variation of turnovers or assist-to-turnover ratio. The other one I have seen is no turnovers, but offensive and defensive rebounds, but I haven't seen that too much. So to win a matchup, you need to win five out of the eight or nine categories up for grabs. Then after the last day of the matchup is played, it all resets the next day and all resets for the next matchup. If you enter into fantasy basketball, the first tip I've got for you is just make sure that you know the rules and you know your league setup. Um, read them a few times, familiarize yourself with the app and the website you're playing on because once it starts, you kind of get straight into the thick of it and if you have any issues, players are generally a bit unrelenting with that sort of stuff. So to give you an example, I have just joined a fan tracks league which is cool. I've never done fan tracks before and I jumped on the app. It's probably, it's not really my favorite app. I do really like the ESPN one, 
but I wanted to make sure that come season proper, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. And when it comes time to pick up a waiver and make a really quick decision, I'm not fumbling around having to pull up the laptop and get everything going because you may miss out on, on the waiver pickup of the year. So make sure that you really, you know your app, you know the rules that you're competing for and you have really gone through it a couple of times. So question would be, how do you get a team? You get a team by drafting a team. So how does the draft work? So when your league is full, you'll all select or the commissioner will select the draft date that works for most people. And then that's when you start your research. So for argument's sake, we're going to assume based on the course of this, that we're doing a a 10-man league and you're running a snake draft. So I'll get to strategy in a little bit, but let's talk a little bit of drafting fundamentals. So when you're drafting, you're selecting from a list of players that are available to go into your team. If you're picking first, then obviously you have the choice of every single player in the league. Once you select someone, then no one else can take them. So say you take James Harden at one, the player at two obviously can't take James Harden. They have the pick of every other player in the league bar James Harden. How the snake draft then works is if you've got the first pick, it goes obviously pick one through 10 and then... 10, having the disadvantage of being last in the first round, gets the first pick of the second round and then backwards through to one. So you're looking at pick one, then pick 20, then pick 21, and then obviously 40, 41, etc. If you've never done a draft before, whether it be basketball, NFL, Premier League, AFL, whatever, I would recommend getting some practice in with the ESPN or the Yahoo mock drafts. They're really good for a couple of reasons. It'll give you a feel for how the draft will work on the night. It, it gives you a bit of a, a, a simulation to the the pace of it. So you get, say, one minute or two minutes per pick. So you really got to know what you're looking for because although that sounds like a lot of time, as soon as you're on the clock, especially middle to late rounds, as soon as you're on the clock, that two minutes flies by. So it shows you how to set players up into your queue, how to make sure that you can pick the players that you want, obviously without getting burnt if you make an error because they're on the mocks. The other thing that I would recommend is just having a bit of a look at the rankings of the players as well. So you may, by doing your research, may see a couple of different players in different spots. Obviously, whenever it comes into the draft room on your draft night, ESPN will have their one set. So make sure that you can eye out the players that you want to initially and have them ready to go and in your queue whenever whenever you are ready to go. So drafting strategies. This is where the fun part comes into it. There are many different strategies that you can employ and each kind of has its own pros and cons. I would definitely recommend having a couple of backup options as you may not get the player that you need to, say, go with your plan A. So then you may need to revert to like a plan B or plan C mode. As you're competing for eight or nine categories, you don't need to win eight or nine categories. You only need to win five to get the win. So keep that in mind when you're drafting that you don't need to be amazing at everything. In fact, you're not going to be amazing at everything. If every single player could contribute across the board, every single player could arguably go number one, but that's not how this works. So I'll go into a couple of the different strategies here. Again, I'm going to pop these into the draft guide. There may be a couple that I miss. So if I have, let me know and I'll add those in there as well just to kind of give everybody a a little bit of an option as to what they're looking at coming into the draft day. So the first one is the punting strategy. I personally don't use this one, but 
if I got stuck with a Giannis, say, for my first pick, this is something that I would employ. So the punting strategy is – it is fairly common. It involves punting one or two categories from the very start. So free throw percentage or field goal percentage in eight categories and maybe add in turnovers for, for nine category leagues are the general ones that people go with. The reason being is that those ones that you can actually go backwards in. So all the other ones accumulate up. Obviously, if you have somebody who bat a free throw, free throw percentage could go up and then come back down, same as turnovers. As I mentioned, this is a strategy that you can sometimes be forced into. So if you take someone like Giannis, your chances of winning free throw percentage are very, very unlikely. So embracing a punting strategy can actually be quite effective. Teams that aren't punting free throw percentage or field goal or whatever it is will often leave those players as well because they don't want to hurt their own team. Therefore, you might get a couple of players a little bit later than what they're actually projected to go. The upside to this one is, as I mentioned, you can really collect some players that slip through the cracks. I know that, say, Andre Drummond may be going 35, maybe even going a little bit higher. But if you're employing a free throw percentage punt, nobody's going to take him unless they're doing the same thing. So you may get him a pick or two later because nobody wants to take that risk. Nobody wants to hurt one of their categories that they're actually planning on winning. The downside to this though is that you're giving your opponent a free category every single week. So your build, your your team build needs to be pretty perfect. Instead of winning five out of eight or five out of nine, you're only going to be winning, be able to win five out of seven. So you're only able to give away another two before you're then competing for a draw at best. The big heavy strategy, so this one is based around centers and power forwards, really. As it states, it involves dominating the big man or the traditional big man stats, so field goal percentage, boards and blocks, while still remaining competitive in the other categories. The beauty of this one is that you're obviously going in with a pretty confident win in three categories. So then you only need to pick up another two. The downside to this one is that you you are really pigeonholed. So you're not going to be as competitive in the other ones. You're not going to be tanking, but you are going to be less competitive in those other categories. So your chances of winning, say, threes or assists really does depend on the big men that you select. On the opposite end of this, you've got the guard strategy. As, a, as it states, it's pretty much the complete opposite to the bigs and the traditional guard stats, so free throw percentage, threes, assists, and steals. This one's probably more popular than the big strategy because, as I just reeled off, there's four more traditional guard stats than there are big man stats. And obviously, there are some point guards who can get seven or eight rebounds, but there aren't too many big men who can get you, or there is now, that can get you four, five, six assists. There are, but those guys are all going to go in the same pool around that 10 to 20 range. There's probably going to be three or four of them go. So your chances of getting a couple of them are very limited. Both of these strategies are pretty solid and you can pivot based on your draft picks as long as you steer clear of the players that are going to punt. Because otherwise, then as soon as you pick up one of those players, you need to roll straight into a punt build. The other one is the... I suppose, average at everything strategy, as harsh as that sounds. It does mean kind of being in the middle of the road for all of the categories. Where it hurts you, obviously, is you're not elite at anything. 
meaning you'll need to compete every single week for every single category. And if you come up against, say, a guard-heavy side or a big-heavy side, because you are average at everything, you're not going to win the stats that they're dominating at. But also, you're going to start with a pretty good advantage in the other stats, if that makes sense. It is a risky one. I haven't used it myself because I find it's too reliant on the matchups that you're coming against. If you have an off week, say you have a couple of players who who have an off week or have a, a two-game week or a three-game week, then you really are going to struggle because you're not already going to be dominant at a couple of categories. The ones that you are average at, which is across the board, you're going to struggle to win those and therefore you're going to struggle to win probably any categories. Out of all of these, and I have only really used this word once, but defensive stats are absolutely key. Every single year, the winning side has got a really, really strong steals and or block side, sometimes both. So as much as there might be some steal specialists or some blocking specialists on your draft board and you look at them and you're like, well, they only really compete in one category, why are they ranked in the 50s? Do not undervalue them. The reason that they're ranked so high, say Robert Covington, for example, hits a couple of threes, may get you 10, 12, 13 points. He does have really strong blocking numbers and he does have really strong steal numbers and he goes high and he goes high every year because they are, it's a statistic scarcity because there's not a lot of players who can get you two steals per game. In fact, I could probably only reel half a dozen of them. Those players are so, so valuable and they make up for sometimes three other players when it comes to their, their steals or blocks. So, if you are going to do anything, if you are going to employ any of those strategies, if you're going to employ any other strategies, make sure that you keep one eye on your defensive stats because they will make or break your season. So once the once the draft's done, once the, the season gets underway, then you're kind of really thrown into it. So if you're starting out, you, you do need to know that fantasy basketball, unlike any other sport, is a daily setup. You can have going to ones that are weekly setups, the ones that are daily setups, make sure you know what time the games start. Make sure you update your team either the night before or the morning of and just make sure you stay on top of it. So after the draft's done, you may look at it and go, that did not go according to plan, but it's okay because you can still fix it and you can upgrade your side. Maybe you've got to grab a certain player. Maybe you've got to grab a certain position. Maybe you've got too many of a certain position or or maybe you're very three-pointer heavy or maybe you're very assist heavy and... You, you don't think you need that, you can rest assured that there'll be somebody on the complete opposite side. There'll be somebody who feels as though they're short in a certain area. So you can trade. There are managers who are better at trading than others. There are some who absolutely love to pester. There are some that don't really give any information at all. Some that probably don't even talk to you and they'll just drop you a, a trade request. Everyone's got their own strategy. So just be, be mindful that... You need to know who you're up against. You, you kind of need to play the man when it comes to it. If somebody drops you a couple of trade offers for the one player, say they keep on dropping you a couple of trade offers for, I don't know, Ricky Rubio, there's probably a reason that they're trying to offload that player. So be wary, be, be a little bit cautious, but obviously keep your, your team's overall strategy and overall goal at heart. I would say as a general rule and probably more of a, a fantasy etiquette, when it comes to, to trades and probably probably for the, the chat rooms as well, 
just be respectful of your other players. Uh, listen to obviously what they're after as well and don't take it to heart whenever somebody knocks back what you think is a, pr- a pretty fair trade because they may overvalue your player, they may undervalue your players, but when it comes down to it, they are going to live and die by that decision. Even if it does, even if you do think it does help their team, that's fine. They they will they will rue that decision should they miss playoffs. Finally, there is waivers. So waivers are another one not to be not to be underestimated. There are always players that come off the waivers that stay inside for the entire season. A couple of years ago, I was playing in one league where Pascal Siakam, he came off the waivers. I was playing in one last year where Devontae Graham, he came off the waivers. There were times where DeJounte Murray dropped onto the waivers. Brooke Lopez dropped onto the waivers. There is always going to be somebody who should be rostered that is sitting on the waivers. So I should probably dial it back because we don't know what waivers are yet. So what waivers are, are they're, they're players who go undrafted. So... Once, if you're in a 10-man league, you've got your 130 players that, that get picked up throughout the course of the draft. The remaining, you know, 170-odd players who go undrafted, they sit in a waiver pool. They sit in a waiver wire, and they are kind of a free-for-all for players to, to get at, for team managers to get at. So some leagues have weekly limits, others don't. Some have money that you need to put on them, some have a pretty strict waiver order. Others, they're just a pick up and drop willy-nilly. So again, know the rules and make sure that you can maximize your waivers. You do need to drop a player to pick up somebody. So make sure that you're smart with that. But as I said, they can really help. So say you get one per day per matchup. So that'd be seven for the week. You need to use all of them if you can, because that could be the difference of 100 odd points. That could be the difference of... 60 rebound, that could be the difference of 33s. So what you need to really look at is who you're playing against, what they're good at, what they're not so good at, target your waivers accordingly. You'll you'll figure it out as you go along what players can help you and what ones can't, but make sure you use them. Obviously, I wish you the best of luck with the fantasy season. Again, this is one that was more catered towards people just kind of starting out in their fantasy basketball these are people who are maybe just returning, people who need to understand the rules a little bit more. Again, I'll drop all this into the draft guide. But if you do have any questions, if you do have any other strategies that I've missed, love to hear about them. Obviously, I'm always wanting to to update my game as well and make sure that I can dominate my season. So hit us up at Mark Fantasyland on Twitter or fantasylandbasketball at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. <laughs>